Some stories that we tell ourselves are lies. Things like, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't deserve to be happy. There can be really devastating stories, but we also have the power to shape our own narrative and the narrative that we tell the rest of the world. So why not use that power for good? Hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to Beyond Networking, where we believe every interaction is meaningful and every person you meet is important. My name is Brian Miller. I'm an author, speaker, and consultant on human connection. So far this season, we've been talking to individuals and organizations who made monumental shifts in response to the 2020 pandemic in order to keep their business alive and continue pursuing their mission. Now, we're taking a week off of those interviews, but we will be back the following week with an unbelievable guest, Jesse Cole, the man in the yellow suit himself, the owner of the Savannah Bananas. I I can't wait for you to hear that. But this week, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Recently, I've had the incredible honor of being a guest on so many other wonderful podcasts. And I wanted to give you a little peek at the kinds of conversations I've been having elsewhere off of Beyond Networking. If you enjoy anything in the clips that you're about to hear, you'll find links to those full episodes in the show notes. This first podcast was really out of left field for me. It's not the kind of show I would typically think to go on, but this lovely gentleman, Donato, uh, from the Shires over there in the UK, he and I connected, and I can't even remember where, which just goes to show how well we got along. It feels like I've known him forever, but we really had a random internet connection just earlier this year in 2021, and he runs a YouTube show mostly about fitness. I'm not his typical guest, nor is his podcast podcast, the kind of show I would normally go on as a guest. And yet we had an absolutely incredible conversation for almost an hour, largely focused on the concept of three new people from my book. But in this first clip, he asked me early in the interview, early in the conversation about my 2020 pivot, how I managed to take the devastation of COVID to my career in live speaking, live conferences, live events, live entertainment and pivot that into the virtual world to keep my business alive and continue pursuing my mission, as well as uh, keeping food on the table for my family and my, at that time, pregnant wife, now my uh, six-month-old child. So here I am chatting with Donato about my pivot in 2020. And uh, you mentioned that um, you've got wife, child, baby on the way. You know, you've got to find a way to do that. And you pivoted and there'll be a lot of people who are watching and think, how can I pivot or change in terms of what I'm doing? But tell us a little bit about how you came about pivoting. For sure. Yeah, it's it, it's been a totally nuts year for everybody in the world. And, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. really a, a gentle way of describing the devastation. Before I talk about the pivot story, I just want to go back to something you said that generally this this show is all about fitness. And as you and you had asked me before we got on, do I do any um, bicycling or anything like that? Um, I don't even have an app. running. I get <laughs> I get winded running. I get winded walking to pick up my baby before I picked him up. So no, I don't do anything like that. While I was a a serious athlete as a kid, injuries took me out of it and as an adult yeah. I've I've done I've done nothing. However, uh, everything I 
teach and talk about in my career as a speaker and an author on human connection now is about social fitness. It's about social wellness. Mm-hmm. And and so it is a fitness and to yeah. be really to be really honest, having a great conversation, building a meaningful connection with somebody is a sport. It's very difficult. It requires mm-hmm. training and practice and mm-hmm. and putting in your reps and failing and getting back up. And yeah. this is why so many people have so much trouble making meaningful connections because you're actually not taught how to do it. And that's a weird concept when I tell people Mm -hmm. that. I say, Mm -hmm. nobody ever taught you in your life how to make a meaningful connection with another person. We think that simply by being humans, we know how to do it because Mm -hmm. we have family Mm -hmm. and we make friends when we're kids. But it's a real skill and you know that by how many adults are lonely. In fact, in America Mm -hmm. and and the UK almost always has very similar statistics. That's right, yep, yep. In in America, uh, the most recent landmark study on loneliness said that 61% of Americans feel lonely or isolated on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And here's the kicker. That number, that study, that was February of 2020. That was before the pandemic. Before That was 61% of Americans said they feel lonely or isolated on a regular basis. And the reason is we're not taught how to make genuine, meaningful connections. And then when the pandemic slammed into us and we got stuck, what happened is we lost the incidental or accidental connections. Because even if you're bad at connecting with people, you still bump into people at the coffee shop. Someone says hello. You get a little bit just by being in the world. But here, virtually, you have to actively go seek connection. And that's where the mental health issues have all come from. It's not Mm -hmm. that we're virtual. It's that now that we're virtual, we don't have the skills to deliberately actively make connections with people. So I just wanted to double back on that for a second. Sure, sure. That is that. And that leads into the pivot, which is for me, while I still do a little bit of magic professionally, 90% of my work now is as a speaker and an author and all these things. And so my pivot was, well, what have I always talked about? I talk about human connection. I talk about perspective. I talk about understanding. And normally I fly all over the world and give these big fancy keynote speeches and they're fun and I do some magic in them and it's great. Or I do workshops for corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the pandemic canceled a year and a half's worth of event, I, mean, I, had, I had to unplug my computer, right? The emails coming in with cancellation. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was in a cold sweat for two days last March, you know, wow. going, how am I going to support my family? What am I going to be packing boxes for Amazon? Like, not mm-hmm. that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that, but like, I'm not qualified yeah, for yeah. anything. I've been self-employed yeah. for 16 years. And so in that moment, I realized that my topic of human connection, what I what I speak about and live and write about is going to become, I realized in March of last year, it's going to be more important than it's ever been because when we come into this isolation, remote work world, people are going to need how to do this and how to do it virtually. And so that was my pivot as I immediately built uh, virtual workshops and speaking engagements and consulting and coaching practices and programs for teaching teams, organizations, schools, students. I do a lot of work with college and grad students, young professionals on Mm -hmm. how to continue working uh, effectively and efficiently in remote environments, how to do networking in a virtual world, how to interview in a virtual space. Uh, So that was my pivot, was really just uh, how to magically connect with anyone virtually. Wow, wow. And did that happen overnight? Once you decided that, Brian, did it literally 
just happen overnight and things started ebbing and flowing, shall we say? Yes and no. So yes, in the sense that within 10 days of losing all that work and the lockdowns, I had done my first virtual event for a corporate client. So yes, in the sense of I made that pivot immediately and the the secret to that because everybody asked me how I was very visibly one of the first people in my in in kind of my world my orbit that made that pivot while most people were just still they were like oh they said it's going to be three weeks and then everything will be back to normal yeah yeah. I wasn't convinced now I don't I didn't I'm not prescient I I didn't I'm not a psychic I didn't have different science than anybody else but I just it just felt wrong I yeah, just yeah. had this feeling like, no, nah, this isn't going to be three weeks. And and I'm, I'd am i rather bank on the long game. Mm-hmm. And in three weeks, if the world comes back up, well, I guess I wasted a few weeks. You know, like, yeah. I, yeah. I guess I, I, I banked on the long game. And so right away, I made a few phone calls to my VIP clients, people who already booked me multiple times a year, who knew me for ages, who trust me, whose teams already knew me. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, in two weeks you are going to end up having to send all of your workers home. You're going to be remote working for the first time ever. And when that happens, you're going to panic. And when you panic, I want you to call me. I've got something for you. And basically the response was either, what are you talking about? They said, it's just going to be a week or two and then we're back. (laughs) Or no response at all. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was about a week later, a bunch of those people emailed me. They said, Brian, it happened. And what can we do? Right. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And and I said, you know, let's just do something next week. We're going to put it together. I'm not going to pretend like I've done this a million times. I haven't. You know, I haven't. We are all doing this for the first time, but I, I promise yeah. you it'll be good. And we got off the ground. So so on one hand, yes, it happened immediately. On the other hand, it was also intentional. I found my VIP clients. I reached mm-hmm. out to them. I said, I've got a thing for you. And then when they signed up for it, I massively over delivered, which is what I built the entire new virtual career for myself yeah, on the back yeah. of just one or two events where I got all the attendees to give glowing testimonials. The client gave a glowing testimonial. And I, we just built a whole new career on the back of one or two events from people who already trusted me. That was super crazy reliving <laughs> that 2020, even though it was just last year, it just seems like a lifetime ago. It seems like I've only ever been engaged in virtual events. But of course, in-person events are coming back. Now, before we turn the tide over to the kind of in-person normal world stuff, let's go to Detroit with the love guru, Greg, on the Art of Relationships podcast. He brought me on to his wonderful, wonderful live stream show to chat about loneliness and isolation in the age of the pandemic. Let's take a listen. Two, And we look around us. We have people, maybe you're one of them, look in the mirror that maybe you're one of them, that it's all about you and what you think, what you feel, what you feel, you know, what you're going through on a daily basis. But are you also asking that person what they're going through? And in your experience, Brian, as I hand it back over to you, (laughs) how can you relate to that? Yeah. For the last year, I remember at the beginning of COVID, for the first few months, every single conversation was exactly the same, whether it was on Zoom or on the phone. You get on with somebody and you say, how are you? And they go, hanging in there. It was the exact same conversation every time. And what I started doing is I'd say, you know, you know, how are you? And they'd say, um, I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, they do that thing. And I started doing this every time I go, that's awesome. How are you really? 
and you would watch people immediately become a real person again. They would dr immediately because nobody had expressed any interest in how they were actually doing in months. Right. I could I, I would be a stranger. It could be a prospect. Somebody just called me interested in maybe having me come do some event for their company, a keynote, a workshop, whatever. We've right. never met from anybody. We have no pre-existing relationship apart from they've seen my TED talk or whatever. And I get on the phone. And they'd say, hi, it's Amy. I'm from this and such company and whatever. We're interested in maybe having you do a thing. And I'd say, hey, Amy, it's so nice to meet you. How are you doing? And she'd oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's weird, but I'm good. And I'd say, that's great. How are you really? And all of a sudden, this woman, Amy, this generic woman I'm talking about now, this woman, Amy, who's never had a real conversation with me in her life, would instantly start telling me all the things that have happened in the past few weeks my grandmother passed and then we couldn't yes. have a funeral and then the this happened and the Absolutely. the kids are driving me crazy but i'm trying to help them and that and it's like that just tells you i was i'm basically a stranger and if they're willing to give that kind of information how desperate are people for connection for a real conversation for something that's not just white noise you you mentioned like 15 minutes ago and i didn't want to interrupt you you mentioned uh you know you say to somebody how are you and they just kind of go i'm fine or whatever have you ever asked the wrong question and gotten this the right the right answer have you ever said like oh what time is it and they go i'm fine thanks and you just both move on with your lives because it didn't matter <laughs> In a normal non-COVID world, I'm usually really down on small talk, but let's be honest, after a year of isolation, lockdowns, distancing, what we wouldn't give for a little bit of meaningless small talk these days. I think collectively we've all realized, even someone like me who preaches this for a living, just how important even the tiniest interactions the seemingly meaningless interactions are that we used to have on a daily basis. And hopefully we can retain that moving into a post-COVID world. Next up is my good, good friend, Francisco Mafuz and his podcast, The Story Powers Podcast. Francisco is a storytelling expert and coach and speaker. And so he and I obviously have a lot in common because I do storytelling in the TED format uh, in my coaching programs, Conquer the Red Dot, which if you're interested, go to conquertheredot.com to see upcoming group programs, one-on-one -on -one coaching, free resources, all kinds of stuff. If you've ever aspired to see yourself on the TEDx stage to deliver the talk that changes lives and catapults your career, you can go check that out at conquertheredot.com. And the TED coaching and storytelling is what I was on his show, the Story Powers podcast, to talk about. But the thing is, I was his first ever repeat guest, so it was a real honor, and he and I managed to come up with an entire hour of new things to talk about. In particular, listen to this clip about the storytelling process. The thing that shot you to fame, at least as a speaker, was your TEDx talk, which I've, I've watched a number of times and I absolutely love. And I know that one of the things you hate is being asked to retell the story in that TED talk, because you know, might as well just watch the episode, right? Um, but I wanted to try ask you something slightly different about that. The structure of your talk, for anyone who hasn't watched it, is there's three minutes of story, then there's a whole bunch of magical stuff. In, in between, you talk about a little bit about connection. The story kind of comes back at minute 10. Then you talk a little bit more about connection. And then for the last two minutes, it's you finishing the story. Now, I know this, is, this might sound like a bit of a softball question, but 
why did you make a story such a big part of your talk? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think that is a softball question. I think that's really important because when people go to give a really important talk, especially short form talks, when you have very little time, uh, it's really, really hard to do the kind of work you want to do as a speaker when you have less time, right? And it's, I, I'm sure you know this quote and many of your listeners do, but one of my all time favorite quotes is from Mark Twain, right? And he said, I didn't have time. I didn't have time to write you a short note, so I wrote you a long one instead. It's really easy to talk for three hours if you if you're interested in your topic because we can just ramble on forever. But if you only have like a TEDx talk, you have 15 minutes, uh, or these days they really want 12 minutes, 10 minutes because I work with a lot of TED speakers now. You know, you gotta get, you gotta move the audience and you gotta move them quickly. And I say this to people all the time: if you want to bore people. Give them facts, studies, statistics. Give them proof if you want to bore them. If you want to move them to action, tell them a story. So the story for me, for me, every kind of short form talk, especially TEDx, because that's kind of like the Olympics of short form inspirational talks, is how can I move this audience in the least amount of time with the least amount of proof? Because if they want proof, they can get it later. They can Google it. They can look it up. I don't need to prove anything, capital P, prove in the talk. I only need to soft P, prove it. I need to, to convince them. And the way you convince people is by getting them engaged in a story and by letting them see themselves in your story, by making the story about them, even though it's your story. So that, that's, that's the answer. Speaking of storytelling, I am occasionally invited to give presentations, to give workshops on storytelling to sales and marketing professionals because it's not just once upon a time. It's not just TED Talks. No, story, the power of story is everywhere. It's in all of our content and even in our interpersonal interactions. We're all telling stories to ourselves, to each other, stories the world tells us, a lot of stories that are lies, some stories that we tell ourselves our lies, things like you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't deserve to be happy. There can be really devastating stories, but we also have the power to shape our own narrative and the narrative that we tell the rest of the world. So why not use that power for good? Well, in this podcast, I had the incredible pleasure of being on uh, Agostino, Agostino, well, in the Bulletproof Cashflow podcast with Agostino, I had the opportunity to speak about storytelling in relation to sales, to having prospects or potential clients sitting across the table from us and how we can move them to action, how we can inspire them to work with us, to work together for us all to achieve what we're trying to achieve and make the world a better place in our own little way. Let's take a listen. How, how, you, how you message them. How, how do you put together your message when you're speaking to someone? Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, getting them to buy in. So uh, do, you have, do you have anything to say about that? Like how, how do you construct a message when, when you are talking to, uh, to somebody? Yeah. So I'm going to come at this from an angle that I hope you've never had on this show before, and I would find it unlikely that you would have. So one of the things I do as uh, – it's almost a side hustle, really, is I coach TED and TEDx speakers, aspiring. I coach people who've already booked it but want to nail the speech. And I coach people who have never booked one, but they want to get to the point where they can book one and then go on to do it. And so I 
I teach the, you know, when you think of TED, you think of that storytelling, that emotional captivating storytelling that makes a message that gets you excited to, to share that video and share that message and go out there to do something with it. Well, how do great TED Talks and TEDx Talks work? It's all about the story, but it's a very particular kind of storytelling. And the reason that TED has become so obsessed with this kind of storytelling is because it works and it works really well. And the storytelling approach I take is it's the hero's journey, but it's a very, very streamlined version of the hero's journey. So would your listen, do, am I going to tell your listeners something they already know if I talk about the hero's journey or should I go into this? Because I no, teach no, no, this to ahead. salespeople. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's beautiful. It's Great. Good okay. Stuff. So the hero's journey has been around for a long time. You think of classic movies and the, the original version is Joseph Campbell. It's got like 27 steps. It's way too long and convoluted. But modern screenwriters and storytellers have figured out how to streamline it. So essentially, think of a Pixar movie. Think of any Pixar movie. Anyone. There's dozens of them now, right? I'm going to ruin every single Pixar movie for you. Are you ready? I'm going to ruin it. So here's every single Pixar movie. I don't care which one you're thinking of. This is going to work for you. Once upon a time, blank. Every day, blank. Until one day, blank. And because of that, blank. And because of that, blank. Until finally, blank. Okay, this is every Pixar movie there's ever been. Why are they the most successful movies in the history of movies forever? Because they know exactly how to tell a story that's captivating. They know how to take somebody along this perfect journey. And what you can do is you can use this story in your sales and in your marketing. But the crucial insight is that you, this is what everyone gets wrong. Go to, go to whoever's listening to this, go to your website right now. And you'll, you'll realize right away how you've gotten this wrong. I'm going to fix your website without seeing it. Almost everybody tells their story on their website and in their marketing as if they are the hero of their story. You, the real estate person. What do I call people? What, what's the right term? Real, real estate entrepreneur. Real yeah, estate entrepreneur. As if sure. you are the hero of the story. It's about the journey you've gone on, right? That is not what should be on your marketing or in any of your pitches or conversations. Instead, rewrite the story with your ideal buyer, your audience, your prospect as the hero of that story. And you realize what happens is that at some point in their story, in their journey, they meet you and you occupy the role of the mentor, the Yoda, as it were. At some point, they need somebody who's going to guide them. And they meet this person usually 30 to 40% of the way into their journey. They've already done a bunch of stuff. They've, they had a state of being that they were already comfortable with. And then something happened that made them want to make a change in their life. And that they go, they call to adventure. They go on this journey and they look at some different options. And at some point, you're one of those options. They come up to you. You didn't just meet them at the start of their journey. You met them. They've already gone through something. And you need to, we talked about that earlier. You need to know where they're at at this point. And that if you can talk to them in language that says, I know where you've just been and I understand where you're trying to go, everything about your marketing will change. Your conversations will change. And when you can give people that sense of where they, they feel like this, this person gets it. They get me. They, they know where I've been. They know where I want to go. That instinct... They'll want to work with you no matter what you do. 
You could be selling anything at that point. That's the no like and trust. That's where it really happens. So that's that's how I coach TED speakers to to tell, you know, to give great TED talks, but it's also how I teach sales and marketing people to to tell their stories. And the last clip I have for you right now, although there are many, many, many more podcasts I've been on recently, all wonderful experiences, but I don't want this to run too, too long. So apologize to those who might be listening who had me on their shows recently. I'll do another clips episode in a month or two with another round of these podcasts. The final clip is coming from marketing as a foreign language with this wonderful incredibly strange, bizarre, lovely human being, Kellen Kautzman. Uh, He, I don't know how to describe his podcast. It's called Marketing as a Foreign Language. And you would think it would be about marketing because he runs a digital marketing agency. But we didn't talk about marketing as marketing. Of course, everything is marketing, like everything is storytelling. What we really did was just talk through our life philosophies. He asked me a lot about my childhood and family history and how it led to who I am today, uh, which was really cool. But at one point towards the very end of our conversation, he and I were on a little tangent about the idea that real men aren't supposed to express their feelings. And he was saying he wished that more men would like cry, like really cry openly and expressively. And that jogged my memory of one of the most difficult speaking engagements I ever did And I think this is the first time I've ever told this story publicly. So here it is. We literally build muscle by breaking down the the structure so that it may rebuild. Um, I talk a lot about how men should cry more. (laughs) Again, like, yes, yes. I mean, really just, dude, ball. Because if you you forever... That's what I'm saying, because if you want to flex that muscle, you have to release the tension. You can't just like hold the weight forever. You have to rest. You have to release. And then and now you can flex more and release. And so that's the emotional flexibility um, and strength that I think a lot of people in relationships wish more men had, you know, the ability to really feel it, to really suffer, to 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 allow the body to mourn. And to allow the body to be almost like a hurt animal. I was bawling so hard the other day that I was kind of watching, you know, how like you watch yourself, you can like see, you yeah. kind of disassociate, like, yeah. yeah, like, you know, it's like Kellen is doing this sort of thing. And I know it's ridiculous to refer to yourself in the third person, but it, sometimes no, you know, I get I, it. I, I get it. I see myself, you know, and I was just looking at myself and I was going, dude, he's like an injured animal, this like whimpering, injured, sad yeah. animal, you know? And I was just like, oh, this poor dude. Um, and so in a similar way, if you're fighting and someone dude just clocks you on the jaw, you feel bad for the guy. You're like, oh, but you learned something. You learned that that left hook is not something you're prepared for. So I've heard, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, or could tell from our earlier conversation about my almost an ab, uh, I don't get into fights. Although I do have a funny story about a real quick one, because I know we're wrapping it up here. Uh, about you mentioned men, I wish more men would cry. One of the uh, most difficult situations uh, as a speaker I ever did, I was keynoting a few years ago, four or five years ago now, the Utah Correctional Association's annual conference. So, yeah. So that's the cool thing about having a topic like human connection. I can go into almost any industry and do my work and I get to do really cool industries. Um, And so I was there it's eight o'clock in the morning. 
and the audience that I'm about to step on stage for is just a sea of burly dudes, correctional officers with their arms crossed at 8 a.m. And I'm this skinny former magician who's about to talk about empathy and perspective taking for an hour and a half. And man, I almost left. Like I almost got on a flight home. Like there's no way, right? This is going to be the worst speech I've ever given. Best and it was a ever. massive success because those guys just needed somebody to tell them it was okay to be a human being. They just needed permission to let it down for a second. And we laughed and we cried and we got serious and we got funny and we talked through stuff. And it was, you know, the client raved about it. I got a testimonial from my website, you know, but like there was a real transformation because they were all tension and no release, you know, like they had tension down, but they had never learned how to just let that thing, you know, let that thing go. So yeah, totally with you there. Well, I really hope you enjoyed listening to a handful of clips from some of the wonderful podcasts I've had the good fortune of being on lately. If you want to hear the full conversations from any of those podcasts, go to the show notes. You'll find all the links right there. As always, you can go to yearofthepivot.com to sign up for, subscribe to the Pivot Power newsletter. You'll gain access to uh, the weekly resources, the Pivot Pearl of the Week. Uh, You'll get notified immediately via email when new episodes drop, including next week with the man in the yellow tux himself, Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas I can't wait for you to hear this episode. It's insightful. It's hilarious. It's going to blow your mind. So until then, thanks so much for sticking with me. Always remember our world is a shared experience. Every interaction is meaningful and every person you meet, even virtually, is important. And we'll speak soon. 